Hi there, my name is Liana Epstein, and I'm the host of the Elm City Podcast, sponsored by City Atlas New Haven. The Elm City Podcast explores the projects New Havenites are engaging in around the city, covering both the challenges and successes of the work they're doing. Hi there, my name is Liana, and I'm here with a special group of folks for this episode of the Elm City Podcast. Co-hosting with me today is Caroline Smith, Impact Manager at C-Click 6, a civic technology company founded in New Haven that allows citizens to report non-emergency issues like potholes and graffiti directly to their local government, as well as Jonas Clark and Amanda Rinderly, co-founders of Tuckerman & Company, a clothing startup that makes button-down dress shirts out of sustainable materials, quality clothing that can actually make a difference in the world. Caroline is going to kick us off today by telling us a bit more about herself and our guests. Awesome. Thanks, Liana. This is Caroline, and I'm super, super excited to be here in particular because actually just yesterday I was on Fix Radio, which is Fix's new podcast radio news show with WNHH Radio. And this interesting idea came up that if there's anything that defines our generation, it's a feeling of being divorced from the process of things. How does food get to our plate? How does a cell phone work? And particularly for this conversation, how do the clothes on our backs get there and who makes and distributes them? And so I'm personally super thrilled to have Jonas and Amanda shed a little bit of light on that process for us as well as how they're improving that process every single day. So building off that, Jonas and Amanda, can you kick us off by introducing yourselves and telling us briefly about the vision behind Tuckerman and Company? Yeah. Uh, so I'm Amanda. Jonas. And we're co-founders of Tuckerman and Company. We make high-quality workwear that's better for people on the planet. And so, concretely, our first product is a 100% organic cotton dress shirt. It's made from Italian fabric and manufactured in Fall River, Massachusetts. We sell those shirts direct to consumer online. And the original uh, idea for Tuckerman, uh, I think, really started from kind of a personal pain point that we had. We'd get dressed for work in the morning and couldn't grab a, a Patagonia fleece or something that we knew was made sustainably and felt like our clothes were not necessarily high quality, well-made, fit well, doing good for the world. And so it was really something that, that we wanted um, as an option. And the more we started asking questions and talking to other people, it seemed like this was a bigger issue and uh, something that uh, we felt we could make a difference with. Great. I love how the story of your own personal realization that you didn't have any items of clothing that quite fit the bill led to the vision for this company. That's a kind of a nice segue because one of the things I was going to ask is, can you help break it down for us a little bit? If I, I'm a businessman and I'm putting on my dress shirt, you know, fastening the buttons, touching the fabric, knowing kind of that eventually I'm going to wear out this really nice piece of clothing, but it's not as nice as my Patagonia fleece and things like that, but I can't really wear that to work. What's wrong with that typical dress shirt picture and how are you working to change it? Or perhaps what aren't consumers typically thinking about when they go through the act of getting dressed? What the production of something as simple as a button-down can involve? There's a lot in there. So one of the things when we started down this path of 
not being happy with the options and, and figuring out how we could do it a better way. So you start pulling on a thread metaphorically in a way and sort of getting into the weeds of a supply chain and figuring out how things are made. And so the more we did that, the more we were sort of shocked at some of the practices. The big one, which was really eye-opening, was cotton and the environmental impact of cotton. And so it's actually one of the most chemical-intensive crops in the world. When we sort of nerded out over this and kind of dug into the data, it's grown on about 2.5% of the world's arable land. So it's a you know really small fraction. But it accounts for 10% of global pesticide use and 25% of global insecticides. So um, all of the insecticides used worldwide. And so the environmental impact is staggering. And yet, you know, it's not something that most people were really aware of or aware that you could use an organic alternative. So the simple act of just switching from conventional cotton to organic cotton has this tremendous impact. And so that was sort of the first piece that we really focused on as as an easy way to make a big impact. And the second is how well clothes are made. So we consume far more clothing now than at any point in recent history. The average lifespan for garments has gone down. And the reason for that is because mostly through fast fashion. So brands basically churning out product lines uh, very cheaply and very quickly and really sort of accelerating the marketing and bringing to market of those garments. And so what that means is that, you know, people have clothes that are less well-made that are sort of piling up in their closets. And, you know, most people, if you talk to them, they love 20% of what's in their closet and they don't like the other 80% or they never really wear it. And so we thought, what if we focused on that 20% and just made it really, really well so that it was built to last? And so that that was the other um, kind of big piece for us. It's also the case that once you go down this path that you want to kind of do everything right and, and think about it holistically. We've tried to be careful about the manufacturing practices and making sure that those are sustainable, um, how the workers from Growing and picking the cotton to weaving the fabric to sewing the shirts are paid and treated down to the buttons and the interfacing and the boxes and kind of all all of the other small pieces that go into it. So once you go down the path, it seems like you should kind of do the whole thing, right? Absolutely. And Jonas, I was reminded when you were talking about a campaign that Patagonia ran, the Do Not Buy This Jacket campaign Mm -hmm. that showed one of their fleeces and basically was highlighting the fact that as businesses, we need to make fewer things, but that are higher quality, just like you guys are doing. And then the need of consumers and customers to really think twice before they make a new purchase, because everything we make ultimately takes something from the planet that we can't give back. And so... The other thing that I've heard talked about a bit in producing sustainable clothing and just sustainable business in general is this concept of like bolting on sustainability versus baking it in. So that is putting a sign or label on something afterwards, so post-operation versus embedding it as a part of the process and business to begin with, which is what you guys seem to be doing and emphasizing. So how does Tuckerman embed sustainability into its business and work toward ensuring a responsible set of consumers after the product is purchased? Great question. I think, you know, one of the reasons why we started this, you know, we didn't sit down and think to ourselves, gosh, what the world really needs is another clothing company. What we did think to ourselves was that what the world really needs is a clothing company that's trying to kind of do things a little differently and and make clothing the right way. Because of that, because it's very much kind of the reason why we started on this path, it, it sort of stayed with us as the 
kind of guiding principle for what we're trying to do. So that, that's kind of a high-level um, answer to that question. I think there are lots of very practical things that we do to stay focused, one of which is that we are a benefit corporation, and uh, we were legally incorporated as a benefit corporation, and then we also became um, certified by the B-Lab, which has a sort of a third-party assessment tool for companies who are trying to do, do some good. So that's one piece. And then just being thoughtful about the way that we build our supply chain. I mean, making clothing is not uh, something that's entirely new. We've been doing it for a very long time. And so a lot of the work really happens deep in the supply chain, which customers you know, generally don't see a whole lot of. A lot of what we do is try and really get in the weeds there and kind of do things the right way and then kind of talk to customers about that. And that's where we've really gotten a lot of great sort of positive feedback from our customers, that they really appreciate that. Super interesting. And uh, Amanda, I liked it how you broke down a little bit of that process of the supply chain for us. I'm curious, what have you found in your experience to be the most challenging part of that supply chain to tackle? Or maybe a part that was surprising that you didn't realize that previously that that part of the system was a little bit broken and I guess building off of that, what are the kind of things that you're doing differently either in that particular part or across the supply chain to make that process better? I think the thing that was the, the most challenging was actually working with organic cotton. So I think when we started, we spent a ton of time piecing together our supply chain. And I think Jonas in particular must have called like 400 mills trying to find organic cotton and fine wovens. I think in the end, we found two or three really high quality suppliers of organic cotton, fine woven fabric. And so it was really piecing that supply chain together and working with the mill that's making the organic cotton uh, shirting fabric for us. They're making it custom for us and uh, kind of working closely with them through that process. So that I think that's really been the thing that we've probably done the most differently and the thing that's been the most challenging. One thing that seems to come up with is this word impact, right? And I think it's an exciting word. It's a big word. I guess I'd just love to dive into that a little bit. Like what does making an impact look like? And what metrics are you looking at? to kind of define that impact? So the impact, I think, you know, there's, we, we, you know, we are a business. We're not a 501c3. So uh, obviously we do pay close attention to a lot of the sort of standard kind of financial metrics and make sure that we're, you know, on good business footing. But, um, and, and, you know, that's uh, obviously an important piece. But the stuff that we really get excited about is the environmental impact and, and also the social impact. So, Part of being a benefit corporation, and we actually have it kind of in our legal charter, is to use less environmentally harmful materials, which we've sort of talked about a little bit. And the second piece is uh, work with suppliers who have fair labor standards and practices. The things that we focus on a lot on the environmental side are diversion. So, you know, how much can we substitute organic for conventional? And as a way to kind of make that a little bit more concrete, every shirt we sell is almost a full pound of pesticides from being used. Mm -hmm. And so that's a very obvious thing for us to track. So that's one big piece. And the second one is making sure that the suppliers that we're using have good good labor practices. So the, the factory in Fall River pays above minimum wage and with health benefits. And, um, you know, we've been on the factory floor. And so, you know, we just spend a lot of time there kind of really getting to know the factory and the folks there. And so, you know, feel like we have a pretty good sense of how they're treated and, you know, that there's a real kind of appreciation for what they do. And so that's a big piece. It's a little bit fuzzier, but it's still something that we think a lot about. 
out uh, and really going to pay a lot of attention to. Do you have a GOTS certification? It's uh, kind of like the platinum standard for organic cotton, and that is really nice because it looks at not just whether the cotton is grown in organic practices, but also how the folks growing and picking the cotton are treated and protected. I think we think about working conditions the whole way back in the supply chain, and aside from substituting organic cotton for conventional cotton, which is pretty different and was pretty um, difficult to do. Perhaps even the thing that we do most different is tracing things the whole way back in our supply chain. I remember listening to this Planet Money podcast about the making of a t-shirt, and it's kind of time and time trying to find out where their cotton came from. And I think in the end, you know, all these reporters and like moms, they found out what city it was coming from, but they still didn't figure out exactly where their cotton was coming from. So that's not an inconsequential thing to do and something that we spent a lot of time on. That's great. It sounds like you guys are doing an excellent job of kind of really taking to heart the responsibility that you have of both the environmental and social impacts, everything from jobs and wages to actually taking such a close look at where your supplies are coming from down to the individual factories. To piggyback on that, do you think a company like Patagonia has taken on to clean up Ventura, California, and increase local jobs and um, those types of efforts that are already underway? Do you see that as the responsibility of a company like yours? And in addition, do you believe making responsible clothing is a potential pathway to helping people's behavior toward low-carbon choices and activities. Could a shirt be a way to change a consumerist culture? Yeah, we talk a lot about that. And I think one of the things that come out pretty early is that it's very much felt like a partnership with our customers. We get a lot of great feedback from them about, like, oh, that's really neat. I didn't know that. Or, hey, can you tell me more about this part or that part? And so that's been really exciting. You know, it feels like we're kind of in it together, which is a lot of fun. And I'll also say that you spend a lot of time making sure that we're trying to do things right, but it's also a lot of fun, which I think is something that kind of mission-driven businesses sometimes, you know, can come across as a little bit humorless about that responsibility. But it's been a blast. I mean, we've learned so much about supply chain and about how things are made. And I actually think that's made us much more thoughtful and, and kind of much better at what we do. So we know a lot more about agricultural practices and how that can impact fabric and kind of the real sort of nuts and bolts of those things. And so what it boils down to is not only is responsibility and feels like the right thing to do, but I think it's also a lot of fun and it's also made a better impact on the product itself, unquestionably. So one of the things that we're very cognizant about is trying not to be too preachy or self-righteous about the mission part of what we do with customers. I, you know, I've always found that to be a little bit of a turnoff. Um, I think, you know, it's nice to see that it can be a little bit fun and that make it an impact together with your customers. So you know, we try and take our work seriously, but also have a lot of fun into the bargain. That's wonderful. I mean, okay, so I feel like the coolest thing about what you guys are doing, you guys are essentially could be the kind of gateway drug for a more sustainable lifestyle for your customers, and it sounds like for yourself. And I am kind of curious, in your conversations with your with your customer base, do you think that this kind of thoughtfulness that they've been able to take with when approaching this particular purchase that they've made has also expanded into other aspects of their lives? Do you think that because in some ways they've they've made this incredibly thoughtful purchase that maybe maybe it's sort of bleeding into other realms? They're more thoughtful about other purchases, or they're 
in general, leading a more sustainable lifestyle? I think one interesting thing that happens is not everyone comes to us looking for an organic cotton dress shirt. I would say the majority of customers come to us because they want a really high-quality dress shirt. They love the Italian fabric. It fits great. It's well-made. And so they come looking for that, and they buy a shirt, and they like it, so they buy a couple more, and now they're on our email list, and now they're reading blog posts about organic cotton and now having a before. And so I think there are definitely some people that we kind of bring along on the journey, and it's not that they didn't care. I think they really do care, but they didn't know enough to be thinking about whether their shirts were organic or conventional cotton, because it's not something that's obviously buying like an organic apple at the store, right? So I do think we make an impact that way. Yeah, I mean that a little bit. Who who are your customers? Do they like? What else do they buy, and how do they hear about you? It's a big range. A lot of them hear about us from word of mouth. Some hear about us from press. Um, press has been very kind to us thus far, which is really nice. Um, podcasts like this. So I think that's how they tend to hear about us. Search results. Search results. You know, a lot of the kind of standard um, how people find things on the Internet. But I think word of mouth has been a big piece for us. We're uh relatively small company, so we don't spend almost anything on marketing. And we really basically spend a lot of time just kind of getting the word out about what we're doing. But our customers are the ones who really tell other folks. And that's where the bulk of our new customers come from, which is a lot of fun. A pretty good sign when that's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You must have something good going if you don't have to do much of your own PR. One thing I think Caroline and I are very curious about is why New Haven? Like you guys have a great concept, but you could theoretically do this anywhere. Is there any particular reason why New Haven is a good setting for this type of venture in general or just for you personally? Well, I should first say that we're both from New England. We grew up um, in Western Massachusetts and have basically always lived in New England and uh, came down to New Haven for business out of SOM. And Gruda just really uh, loved the community. There's a great group of other entrepreneurs and, and people really um, rooting for uh, one another. And yeah, it's just, it's just been really fun being here and being a part of the community. So we felt like uh, it was a perfect place to kind of stay and continue to, to grow and build Techman. I'm always tempted to steal uh, Miles Lassiter's line that he came, <laughs> he, he came for school and stayed for the food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, community's been great. That's awesome. And building off that, first of all, thrilling to hear the way that you're talking about what it feels like and your experience of what it's been like to build something in this city, in New Haven, in our city. We've heard that from a lot of people, and it's been still exciting every single time. I guess one question, you know, you guys are starting off as a small company, making really, really high-quality shirts. I'm sure a lot of people ask you about price, and I know that you guys talk a lot in the interviews that I've read about you about how to make sure these shirts are as affordable and accessible as possible. Um, and I'm curious, yeah, what what is that looking like for you guys currently? What sort of your goals were the ideal price point for a shirt like this um, that clearly brings quality but also allows as many people as possible to be able to wear it? That's a great question. And, um, yeah, price is obviously something that a lot of customers are, are very focused on and, you know, understandably so. You know, we're in a funny position price-wise to some extent because are making a product which you look at folks who have similar supply chains, they're considerably more expensive than we are. So our, our price is $145. But, you know, a lot of folks, again, who have sort of a similar product, not organic, but kind of similar supply chain, uh, are, are well north of that. 
But we're definitely above kind of, um, you know, mass market brands, which a lot of folks are used to buying. So we're kind of a little bit in between. We're basically trying to deliver that kind of really premium product at the lowest price that we um, can, making sure that we're being, you know, responsible about the business and making sure that we can grow. So I think the way that we do that is, you know, we talk to a lot of our customers about it. If they have questions, you know, we're pretty transparent about the way things are priced and why they're priced the way they are. And I think, you know, the response to that has been has been great. I mean, it's nice as a consumer, certainly. I don't mind paying more for quality. I'm not wild about paying more for a gigantic uh, marketing budget or something like that. So I think as long as you're really upfront with customers about what it actually is that they're paying for, kind of where you are price-wise um, sort of matters a little bit less. We are focused, certainly, acceptability, because I mean, part of our impact is how many shirts we can substitute. Um, I think the reality is the cost of clothing is much higher than people pay for or realize, and so there's a trade-off between price point and whether it's organic, whether the workers are paid fairly and paid a living wage. And so we try to straddle that line between realizing that accessibility is really important and we are a premium product, but at the same time, not wanting to push that further back in the supply chain. Yeah, I think you guys really hit the nail on the head with the transparency element being so important because I think when customers take the time to ask the questions about, you know, why is it this price? What is involved in the process? You're educating your consumers and whether they ultimately make that purchase or not, when they do actually make that commitment, they understand all that has gone into it and probably will be a much more conscientious consumer in the future. And I've heard about a few new studies. I think one was by Pew Research Center that shows about, I think, 80% of people in our generation of millennials now want to work for environmentally responsible companies and companies that care about their impacts and are more likely themselves to pay for responsibly made products. And I think a huge part of that is the knowledge that comes with that purchase. So my question to you is 80% of millennials, that's a huge potential employee base, but also a huge market for your product. Why do you think that there's this sudden appeal or market for sustainable products and employment? And do you think this market will continue to grow? Where does Tuckerman fit into that space? All of those kind of questions. Yeah, that's a great question and a big question. Uh, I for sure think it's going to grow. I mean, I think mostly because if you look at the way that a lot of things have been made for the last 30, 40, 50 years plus, those things aren't super sustainable. And a lot of the things that happen in the process and in the supply chain have been hidden from consumers. In some ways, you've kind of artificially created sort of externalities in your supply chain that customers don't pay for. So I think that transparency is big. I think for us, our customers have been willing to pay also because it's quality. I mean, I don't think what I don't think you can do is sell a very expensive product solely because of the story or the process. Like that part matters a lot, but it also has to be a really darn good product. And so I think that's one thing that's worked well for us is that people know that it's basically the highest quality fabric you can get in the world from the mill that we use. And it's a shirt factory that goes back to the 1930s that does our cut and sew on tons of experience. So I think that piece is important. And I think as far as employees go, absolutely. Like who wouldn't want to work for a company that's doing a little good for the world? I don't know. Seems like kind of a no-brainer to me, but I said the more the merrier. Cool. This has been awesome. I think a last kind of good question is what's next for you guys? What's the future? What's uh, kind of the next product that you guys are working on? Um, are you venturing into 
female body apparel. Yeah, what's the next exciting thing? Our next big product is going to be women's shirts. So we've had a ton of from women and um, our product, uh, I think they care a lot about both how their clothes are made and finding better options for workwear. So we're super excited about that. We've been talking to women about what they'd like to see in a shirt and doing some testing and hopefully we'll be rolling that out this spring or probably more likely in the fall, but definitely starting to uh, wade into that as we think uh, to be a great fit. No pun intended. If someone wanted to get in touch with you guys to learn more about Gazoo or, uh, you know, check your website or, or buy an awesome shirt, where can they find that information? Pretty simple. We're on the web. We do all our business on the web. So it's www.tuckerman.co, not C-O-N, C-O. And you can find us there to buy shirts. And if you have any questions or ideas or feedback, it'd be easy to drop us a note. One of us will respond to your email. That's right. It'll be one of the two of us personally responding. Great. Thank you guys so much. It was wonderful to speak with you today, Amanda and Jonas. And Thanks for co-hosting, Caroline, and we are really looking forward to see what happens next. Great. Thanks so much for having us. Really appreciate it. The Elm City Podcast is sponsored by City Atlas New Haven. For more information, please visit our website, www.newhaven.thecityatlas.org, or visit our SoundCloud page soundcloud.com slash Elm City Podcast. Thanks for listening.